You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Lost. You know, this is a, a story that sets us up today, uh, and that guy's name, his name was Jack, and he became the leader of that band of people. They were in a plane crash, they found themselves on an island, and like he said, they were all strangers, but they had to come together for a common purpose. He said, we're going to either live together or we're going to die alone. Or if you watch the show, they all pretty much die anyway, so it's cool. Um, you know, it's, it's that idea of joining together. It wasn't a spoiler, it happens like in just a minute. Um, <laughs> Just kidding, they don't all die, or do they? <laughs> You'll never know unless you watch it. It's that idea of living together that I want to hit on today. It, it's community. Um, have you ever felt alone, like lonely? And I'm not talking about like sad alone. Yes, we'll get there in a minute. But just where you were kind of standing alone. Um, I can think of this one time where I definitely was not alone. Okay, it was a couple years back, and uh, my dad's a big Carolina Hurricanes fan, hockey team. Uh, any ha- Canes fans in the house? Uh, yep, both of you. And so, uh, so my dad's a big Canes fan, and they made it to the playoffs, and they were going to play the Boston Bruins, and my dad got tickets to a playoff game. How often do you get to go to any professional playoff game? So we got to go, and they were way up in the nosebleed section, up where they were, they like maintenance, the air conditioning units. Like, that's where we were, up by the flags, so you can't really see this bottle because you're behind these flags whatever but we were there we were at the game let me tell you I did not feel alone I was just decked out in my canes gear had the big foam finger you know rolling in there and I had friends and we were just like yeah yeah." fans get crazy when you go to a game and something good happens like someone scores a goal everyone's like yes this is the most wonderful moment of my life people are high-fiving complete strangers hugging people that smell terrible this guy's hugging that guy's wife but it's cool it's fine (laughs) take my wife we scored a goal you know you lose your mind when you're in that moment and I was not alone I had friends I had like 40,000 ridiculously irate happy friends but there was this one guy he didn't have many friends yeah, maybe you've been in one of these kind of games. Uh, he was a Boston fan. Yeah, and, and he, I just imagine the moment when he found out his team was going to the playoffs. <gasps> Honey, they're going to the playoffs? <gasps> they're going to be in Raleigh. I got tickets. I'm going. They're way up in the nosebleed section, but it's okay. My whole life I've been wanting to go to this game. So he rolls in with his gear on, and then the crowd's, boo. You're the most horrible human being ever. You're, you're terrible at life. You know, why are you here? Why do you exist? And this guy's like, Oh man, like I was gonna, you know, but it's cool because he's a big fan, so he's cheering for his team. And this battle commences between this one lone guy about five rows down from us and the whole section that I was in, fighting with this one guy. And so they, they score a goal, they do something good. He's like, Yay! And everybody's like, Be quiet, sit down, boo! Well, he had a few too many to drink, and he turns around and he starts fussing at the entire section which is a bad idea. And so he's, especially at a hockey game. So he starts fussing at the whole section, apparently says some off-color thing about one guy's girlfriend, and there's a brawl. These are grown men, and they are fist fighting now in a public place. Your team is in the playoffs. What are you doing? (laughs) We lose our mind. But you know what? There was no aloneness if you were a Hurricanes fan that night. But imagine me and that other guy. You know, it's that idea of coming together around a common purpose. That thing we can kind of all relate with or dream about. You know, I, a side note, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Go Cowboys. We're not going to talk about the last two weeks. 
but there's a bright future ahead. Uh, my wife and I went to a Redskins game last year. Uh, I've never been to a professional football game, loved it, and, but I was afraid because we were all big Cowboys fans. We wore all of our gear, and I was afraid we were going to be that guy, the Boston guy. Like in the, and, but I walked in, it turns out there are no Redskins fans that go to Redskins games. Because we were like, oh, Cow was like, yay, we're in Dallas. So it didn't happen to me. Just saying, that was just for you guys who care. We've been talking for a few weeks now about soul food. Soul food, uh, just like our physical body needs nourishment. You know, we need to work out, we need to eat right, we need to get some good sleep, we need to take care of ourselves physically. God says that he created us as spiritual Beings. In fact, it's, it's, it's kind of a thing that has been acknowledged across all cultures and all societies and all times is that there is a spiritual element to our life, and we call that our soul. And so if it's true that we should take care of and nourish our physical body, what God teaches us is that we also need to take care of and nourish our physical, our, our spiritual self, our spiritual self. And for several weeks now, we've been talking about that. There's lots of ways that you can nourish your soul. We talked about uh, the Bible in the first week and asked the question, you know, where do you start? Where do you start when you want to nourish your soul? And the Bible is a good place. We talked about that. The second week, we talked about Jesus and his encounter with these sisters, Mary and Martha. You remember that? And, and there are these two sisters, and they're kind of, they're kind of uh, arguing over what's the best way to connect with Jesus. And, and it turns out that Jesus teaches them which way was better and so we talked that week about making room for the good stuff and deciding what is better when it comes to filling our soul with stuff. Last week was Compassion Sunday. I mean, I, last week was really good. Um, we, we had uh, about 30 packets of kids from Ecuador through the organization Compassion International uh, that we were trying to have sponsored through our church family. And so far, 16 of those packets have been picked up. And that's a huge praise. Can we actually just clap that out? Good job. Um, 16 kids, and, but what we talked about was the idea that learning to have the compassion that Jesus has for people who are far from him, learning to have that compassion, remember the word splagna, just, it ties your gut in knots, to learn to have that compassion can nourish your soul. Uh, just, uh, just for those who care, we do have the compassion table still over there this week and next week for those who might have needed a week to think about it or want to know more about Compassion International. Please check out that table before you leave today. There's a lot of things we can do to nourish our soul. Honestly, anything you do in life that you begin to aim at God can be a spiritual discipline, a spiritual growing tool. You can take your favorite hobby, you can take your favorite relationship, you can take you know, your favorite thing that you like to do, and, and you can say, what can I do to let that help me bring glory to God and grow? And so it's something that you can really hone and customize. But as you talk about all the things that typically come up in this conversation about soul food, one that doesn't always rise to the top is the one that I want to talk about today. One that, in fact, I think could be more powerful and more easily accessible than some of the others for all of us. And that is this. It's the soul food of community. Community. Maria said it earlier. She was standing up here talking about that, you know, we're, we don't have to go through this by ourselves. And not only does God give us the strength to take those jackets off, he also provides us with each other. He gives us one another so that we don't have to go through this by ourselves. Life is so much easier when we live it in community. It's, it's true in a practical sense. Think about life as you live it. There's someone in this region who grows food, a farmer. We're so thankful for that person. But then there's someone else who, you know, processes and takes care of the food and gives it to the grocery store for us. And then there's people who run grocery stores. And then there's people who work at restaurants and cook the food. There are people who grow trees. There are people who cut them down. There are people who mill the trees and make it into lumber. There are people who build things. There are people who are doctors and nurses and there are pharmacists. 
in pioneer times, I mean, you were the, the doctor and the nurse and the farmer and the, uh, the, the, the chef and the, and the undertaker. You're everybody, right? But in community, we share that work and we get to find the thing that we're best at and we get to thrive there. And that's kind of what happens as we decide how to nourish our soul through community. It's true in a practical sense. It's true in an, in an emotional sense. I mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, there's a death in my family. And if you've experienced this, um, you know, no, nothing brings a family together quite like a funeral. For good or for bad, it's true. Everyone comes together and there's just this moment. But it's so much easier to do it together. It is, it's hard regardless. But to have some people that you can help carry that weight with, man, it's community. It's true in an emotional sense and it couldn't be truer in a spiritual sense. Because God understands that we have a lot of questions about him. He understands that we have a lot of boneheaded mistakes that we made that we need help getting up off the ground from. He understands that we have a lot of opinions and, 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 and ideas. And he created us with a, a yearning and a sense of belonging so that we can operate in community. And it can nourish our soul. At Venture Church, I say this every week and I love it. We say we want to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. And when it comes to the question of community, how do I form community? What is a good community versus a bad community? A great place to look is at the very beginning of the church as it began. We're going to be in the book of Acts today. If you've got a Bible, feel free to turn there. We've got free ones we give away, uh, especially if you're new and you haven't ever heard this before. There's, some of them are scattered among the seats underneath you, and there's some in the back by the coffee as well. Uh, but you can grab a, a Bible for free. don't want you to leave without one if you want one. Also, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. But we're going to be looking in the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament of the Bible, kind of that back third of the Bible that talks about the early church and the teachings of Jesus. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, right when the church, as we know it, begins. The church, uh, maybe you've heard the word church, and it's like, what exactly is the church? Well, I want to give you a very simple definition today. It's not the end-all definition for church, but it's a very good one. The church is Christian community. It's community focused around living for Jesus. It, that's, that's what the church is. That's what it was established for. That's what it should be. It's the place uh, where you can find community centered around Jesus's teachings and the light that he shines. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and the very beginning of the church. Check this out. Acts 2 and 42. It says they, the church, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I love that phrase, they had everything in common. Uh, it doesn't mean it's not some sort of social utopia where they, we agree on everything. We like the same sports team, we love the same nacho dip, it's awesome. It wasn't that they agreed on everything. In fact, we see stories where they didn't agree on some things. But what it did, what it means was that they shared things in common. It was share and share alike. It was like common space or, or a common zone. It was common property, not in the sense of communism, but in the sense of, you need something? Let me help you. And they explain it better as the verse continues. It says they sold property. And possessions, listen to this, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Well, that's so not American, but it's the way the early church did it. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
I think it's crazy uh, when I go to my friend's house who are adults now, and I didn't know them when they were kids. I love going to like maybe their mom's house, and on the mantle or maybe on some bookshelves, there are pictures of them when they were kids. It's like a younger, more awkward version of their current self. If you ever experienced this and you look, and it's, it's neat to look at a, a picture of someone when they were a baby or when they were a kid because when that picture was taken, nothing had happened yet to that person. Like life hadn't been lived, the horizons were, were endless, the sky was the limit, none of the, uh, none of the bad decisions that they would eventually make had been made yet, none of the little league trophies had been won yet, none of the, none of the awkward first dates had been had yet, like none, none of that's happened. It's just a picture of them before all that. And, and that's kind of what we get when we look at the church in Acts chapter 2. Click, click, it's the church as a baby or as a kid. None of it's happened yet. It's just beginning. And so as we look, the horizon is, is, is open, the sky is the limit, and the excitement and the freshness, freshness, freshness of that potential is there. And so it's really cool to get this snapshot of the church. Um, and so what I want to do is take a look at this passage we just read. I want to see what we can learn from them about community, and I want to see what did they do, what did they rally around, and what did they say, this is the most important things to us as we become the church. So let's just check that out. Actually, can we throw that verse back up there? There's these, there's these four phrases that we get out of that first verse. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. Four things there. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. I want to focus on fellowship there. We're talking about community, but I'm going to do the other ones, kind of just kind of touch on them a little bit. Let's take a look first at that one, the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teachings were vital. And I don't know if you've thought about this. Uh, when we look at the Bible today, we have something that we call the New Testament of the Bible. But that part of the Bible that teaches us about the church and Jesus and how he lived and, and how he taught, that part of the Bible didn't exist yet. Why? Well, the people who wrote that part of the Bible were leading the church right now. They were writing that stuff right now. So when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, this is so cool. John and Peter and James, these are guys that, that uh, they led the first church. They were teaching literally in people's houses, in their, in their squares, in their living rooms, in their whatever places that they met in. They, these apostles were actually teaching them. And so when they said they have devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, it's vital. And, and I want to throw this in there, interject it because it's important. A big question that arises when we talk about the Bible, you're like, okay, I, I get that Jesus is, is, is God in the flesh and it's important what he says why does it matter what these other men say? Well, this is an important thing. Jesus actually chose these men. The stories are told in Scripture, in the Bible, how he chose them. And he appoints them to lead the church. And as they're teaching, as these apostles, the word apostle means one sent with a message. As these people are sitting there with this message, they're empowered and they're uh, instructed and appointed by Jesus to be the leaders of the church. And so as they are talking, what they're doing is, this is what we learned from Jesus this is what he taught us, this is what you should do. And so that's why we are so focused on the apostles' teachings because they were taught by Jesus himself. It's also why I use this phrase every week. At Venture Church, we love to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. You ever heard me say that before? Because I wanna be a church that's devoted to the apostles' teachings. I don't wanna be a church that's like, hey look, uh, I like went to school and read some books and stuff, so this is what I think. And I just say some stuff and you're like, okay, Chris said that right now. No, it doesn't matter what I think. I wanna see what did Jesus teach his apostles and what were they te teaching the early church. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, there's three other things there in that list. Fellowship is the one we're gonna to touch on. The other three were the breaking of bread and prayer, the other two. And actually let me flip that and do them from the, 
back to the front, starting with prayer. Prayer might be something that you have a lot of questions about. Uh, I do want to tell you this. Uh, several months ago, we did a three-week teaching series called The Chair Across the Room. And it was all about prayer. What is prayer? How do I pray? Does God actually listen to our prayers? Uh, it's going to be featured on our blog this week on jointheventure.com, the church website, where you can actually stream the sermons, listen to them yourself. You can also get them on, uh, on iTunes, on a podcast. Um, but prayer is a question that a lot of people have, like, does it work and why do we do it and does God actually listen? I want to say this, prayer is our most direct line of communication with God and he listens to us. He listens to us. Uh, we will spend lots more time talking about prayer in future weeks, and I do encourage you to go back to listen to those sermons. But this is something that the early church devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer. This other one, the breaking of bread. It's kind of a weird phrase. We don't really use it that much this all, these days. But there are actually two things that that could refer to, and I think it meant both. Uh, the first thing was pretty much a general idea of breaking bread, having a meal together. Nothing brings people together quite like food. In fact, that's why I want to shamelessly plug that today at 4 o'clock, you can come to Hugh McRae Park, and notice, it's 4 o'clock, not 5 o'clock, we've been advertising because of daylight savings time, and we were dumb and didn't think ahead about daylight savings time. So 4 o'clock, Hugh McRae Park, we're going to have a chili cook-off and brownie throwdown. Hang out around food. It's a great way to build community, but that's what the early church did. They had these meals. Often they would get together, they call them love feasts, and they would just say, look, we're just having this meal together to celebrate our community. Something that you do with your friends, something that you do with your family, it's what Thanksgiving is all about. They broke bread. But there was a more specific understanding of breaking bread. It survives for us today in what we call here communion. Communion was a very specific breaking of bread. It was when Jesus got together with his closest community, the, the 12 apostles, and he said, I've got this bread, I've got this juice, and they represent something. He said, this bread represents my body, which is going to be broken and for the sacrifice of humanity. And, and this juice represents my blood that's going to be poured out for the sacrifice of humanity, not just for the sake of it, but because it's going to connect mankind with God's love. And so that's why we celebrate. There's these tables I'm going to tell you about here in a little while. I'll do it every week. We celebrate this meal together. Why? Well, it was very important to the early church. The apostles instituted it as a, a weekly thing that they did. So we do it weekly. Why? Jesus said, as often as you gather together, do this and remember my death until I come. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to breaking bread. If we want to get a picture of what the early church community looked like, i got to ask ourselves, are we doing those things? As a church, we intentionally do those things, and I hope that we will continue to do those things. The fourth one that I want to land on most securely today is fellowship. Fellowship. Let's just read that verse one last time. Acts 2.42, make sure that we're on the same page. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Fellowship. This idea of fellowship uh, is community. It's community. When you think about church, if I asked you what is church, what would you say? You know, you, you might get a couple different answers. Most common, commonly around the world, if you talk about church, a lot of people will refer to a building. It's a church building. You go downtown, we have beautiful churches downtown, right? That would be a correct sentence to say in England, English, and in England, they speak the same language there, but in English, it, these are beautiful church buildings. Um, my kids, uh, we work out here at the YMCA, my family, and uh, sometimes we'll be going to the Y, and the kids will say, hey, we're, are we going to the church? Because this is where we have church, and so we associate this building as our church, and, you know, the idea that the church is a facility is not terrible. In fact, there's a lot of blessings that can be had in facility. The day that our church, if God ever says, you know what, I'm going to allow you to have a building. I'm going to bless you with it. 
this guy's going to do the most awkward, long, happy dance you've ever seen. I'm, I'm, I'll be pumped about that day. And, and I loved what we could do with a facility. We could just reach out to the community on a 24-7 basis, use it as a, maybe a, a place where we could serve the homeless community, or we could have a soup kitchen, or we could have after-school tutoring or classes for kids in the neighborhood. We could have training, or we could do different things in the building. It'd be amazing. But I don't care how many steeples or crosses you put on a building, it is not the church. The church is people. The church is a group of people living community around the idea that living life for Jesus is better. That's what the church is. And the heartbeat of the church, listen guys, the heartbeat, boom, 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 the heartbeat of the church is fellowship. It's what pumps the blood through our veins as an organization of people. That we're together, that we have this shared uh, vision for life. Let's look at how the early church modeled that. We're going to move on to verse 44. It says, all the believers were gathered together and they had everything in common, like I just said. It said they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That means they gathered together. These people were actually raised Jewish. So for them, when they're thinking about how do I worship God, they're like, well, we go to the temple courts and that's where we worship God. So they still did that. Uh, it says they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. They intentionally got together during the week and said, hey, can we hang out? We need each other. Let's talk. Um, and it says they were enjoying the favor of all people. I appreciate that phrase because I've many times met someone who, as they decide they want to learn more about God and become a Christian or they, they approach Christian community, one thing they say is, I just, I just want what they have. Like, I like the peace they have in their life. I like the hope. I like the way that they, they view things. And this is what it says, that they enjoy the favor of all people. The cool byproduct of that is that, at the very end, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is a group of people that looked out for each other. They cared for one another. They learned together. They worshiped together. They ate together. They rejoiced together. We see in other places that they suffered together, they cried together, they experienced hurt together. It was life, it was family, it was communion. It was more than just a social club. This was family. It was an unbreakable bond of fellowship. See, God designed us to live in fellowship. He didn't design us to live in a vacuum or on an island. He created the, 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 the makeup of our being to long for other people. I love what God himself says after he creates the entire universe, okay, he creates the whole universe, Stars and planets and all that. I don't know like how that works. He's God. He creates the first human being, Adam. And then he looks at everything. He says, this is good. And he looks at mankind. He says, this is very good. But then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he says, but it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. There's all kinds of things that could be said about the fact that God created a man and a woman and, and he wanted them to live in unity with each other. But the, the the bigger point that I see from our makeup is that we weren't made to live alone. Community enriches our experience of life because we're not having to do it by ourselves. I believe, listen to this phrase, I believe that your closest community will shape the direction and the quality of your life. Can I say that again? That your community will shape the direction and the quality of your life. In fact, I've heard it said a different way, which I believe to tr be true. It says, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. 
not 100% true, but this has happened so many times. How many times have you heard the story? Someone's talking about their life when they kind of had a, a downfall in their life, and you're like, everything was going all right. Then I kind of fell in with a bad crowd, and things started to go downhill from there. Or, you know, I started hanging out with a rough group, and things started kind of going downhill from there. No one ever says, man, I was, I was doing great. Things were awesome. I was making really good grades, had a great job, was well-respected, getting promotions. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just started robbing banks. I can't explain it. Like, no, it doesn't happen that way. There is a buildup. It's a natural progression. And most of the time, it centers around our community. I want you to hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that someone who says that they're a Christian shouldn't hang out with people who aren't Christians. That's ridiculous. Jesus said that we should shine light into the world. Jesus himself said no one would take a lamp and hide it underneath a bowl in the house. That doesn't do any good. It needs to be set up on a stand so that the whole house can see the light. And that's how we should live our lives. As Christians, we need to be hanging out with all kinds of different people. But the question is, who is your closest community? Who is pouring into you? Who are you allowing to influence your behavior and your decisions and your mentality? Because if you show me your friends, there's a good chance that we could show you your future and your community will shape the quality and the direction of your life. Last week was Compassion Sunday, and it was fun to, to talk about the children, and, and I celebrated earlier the 16 kids that were, the packets were picked up. Um, but we talked about poverty a little bit. And actually, I didn't say it this way, but in reality, we talked about two types of poverty. The first one we talked about was material poverty. Uh, it's possessions and, and stuff. You know, we talked about food and, and houses and clothing and stuff like that. That's material poverty. A second type of poverty that we talked about might be called spiritual poverty. Remember, we said Jesus didn't just come to relieve us of all of our material poverty. That wasn't his main goal. He didn't just come to heal all the people in the world and to give them all the clothes and houses that they need. What he came to do was to heal us of our spiritual poverty to heal our soul and connect our brokenness with God so that we can be made whole. That's what he came to do. So there's two types of poverty, but there's a third type of poverty. And I think that it may be more prevalent in our society than the other two. And it has deeper reaching implications. The third type of poverty that I see is relational poverty. It's the absence of good, healthy community. And there are some elements in our culture that have contributed to that. I'm going to talk about three of them. There are many more. The first one is probably modern conveniences. There's some modern conveniences that have stunted our growth to have community. Simple things like uh, garage doors and, and, and privacy fences, right? You don't ever have to see your neighbors. Many of you don't know your neighbors' names. I'm still learning my neighbors' names, and I'm trying. Imagine what it's like if you're not trying, right? And so, like... It's, it's, it's easy to isolate yourself just because of some modern conveniences. The fact that we all have cars, you don't ever have to rely on anybody for anything. You just go, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing, nobody else's thing because you're good, you're in your car. It's, it's a convenience, but it also affects the way we have community. A second thing that really affects community is technology. Uh, you just think about technology, how much it's progressed just in the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, this goes farther back than that, but simple technology like air conditioning and heating that's a technology, guys, and what do we want to do when we have that? Stay inside, don't go anywhere, right? And this is something that we enjoy doing, but there's even more advanced technologies. Just think about uh, the fact that we've got 5,000 channels on our TV and it's easy just to zone out, or the internet can just suck up all of our time. Think about the idea of, uh, of online bill pay. I remember as a kid, I used to go with my dad and run errands around town, and one of the things he had to do all the time, I feel like my dad did this every single day. We had to go somewhere and pay a bill. 
Like every day, we're like, don't drop to the water place, drop to the, I'm like, don't they have mailboxes? Can't we, but we're driving, and he's got to talk to a guy, and he pays the bill, and, but today, if you don't want to, you can set up online bill pay, you never have to see another human being. It's not just in what we pay for, it's what we purchase. Online shopping is so easy, and there are many people who have isolated themselves from human contact, because you can just do it all online. Again, these are conveniences. I'm not dogging them. I think they're awesome, but you can see how I begin to erode our ability for community. The third thing that I think may have really and dramatically impacted community, it is the giant right now, and it's kind of an oxymoron in this, in this context, is social media. Social media, because what it does is it lulls us into this idea that we actually have big community, when in reality, it's virtual. And again, I'm not dogging this. Some really good things. I know people who have met their spouses online. That's amazing. I love it. But there's also great documentation for the number of people who have hundreds and thousands of friends on social media but can't name a single real relationship. And it's sad. And so, you know, it's things to be aware of. We, we tweet, we post, we comment. And what we're really doing is we're in search of this instant feedback because we hope that someone cares. Every one of us has a friend that posts like a three paragraph long Facebook post. And if you're that person, I'm sorry, we all talk about you behind your back. Um, but the truth is we, we notice that. We do notice it, but sometimes we don't even know what to say. Like, what do I say? This is Facebook. Like, I can't. No amount of likes or shares is going to fill that hole as we long for community. I don't want to be tender here. I, I'm not trying to be harsh. What I'm saying is, man, if we're looking for fulfillment and community online, it's not going to happen. Because what we long for, real community, is sharing life together. I'm talking eye to eye, hand to hand, a living bond between people who are sharing experiences and creating memories. And it's that ability to relate with one another because, you know, I've been there, man. Let me tell you about the time I was there. And you can feel the emotion coming off of me as I'm talking. We need that. Am I talking to anybody here today? Like, is that you on any level? Maybe you're not sure about this whole God thing. Maybe you're here because you came as a, a guest or with a friend, and, and, you, and you, you're not really sure how Christianity really fits into community, because community happens outside of Christianity, after all. But my guess is that you can relate with the idea that life's easier with other people. And I don't want to go at it alone. Guys, we're the church. The church. The church is people sharing life that is aimed at Jesus. In fact, that's why Jesus came to earth as a man. Because he wanted to be able to come here and say, I've seen that. I've been there. I've done that. I've tasted that. I've felt that. I know what you're going through. He can relate to us on a personal level because he lived life the way we live life. He wanted us to know that he gets us and that he understands what we're going through. He came to share life so that he could give life. And so the first church that we've been talking about in Acts chapter 2, let's look at verse 46 and 7. It says, they broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added daily to the number those who are being saved and if you've been in church for a while or you know Christian lingo you know that idea of being saved are you saved brother how long you been saved it's like this it's kind of this this internal jargon that we use being saved and, and that's exactly 
what the early church was a part of, is helping people come into contact with God and, and, and being saved from their sins and being separated from the things that kept them separate from God so they could be united with God. That's a huge thing. But as I see that daily, those who are being saved, I just want to understand, I am not adding to scripture here. I'm not trying to make up some new understanding. I, I'm finding a different light that we might can also see this passage in. I think that Christian community can also save us from loneliness. It can save us from having to go through life by yourself. It can save you from having to battle with the questions you've got about life and about God by yourself. Because God says, listen, I've set up a family for you to do this with. But you got to do it. You got to get involved and you got to get plugged in and you got to find community. I didn't know how to end today. When I was thinking through what I wanted to say, I didn't know how to end. And then it occurred to me that probably the best thing to do was to give a super practical, you can do something about this right now idea. And so this is where I am. I think if I were to, to poll the room, which I'm not going to do, if I were to poll the room, we'd be in different places with community. Some of you are like, I got too much community. Like, I'm trying to back off of some community right now. Like, I'm trying, I don't even hang out with them anymore because I just don't have enough time for that much community. I get it. That's cool. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's those of us who are in the room where I'm like, I, I kind of, I'm coming to church because I'm hoping I can find somebody to relate with. Like, maybe just a friend. I've, I've, heard, I've heard this common thing. People come to church because, let's be honest, I want to get married and I can't think of a better place to find someone I get married to than meeting them at church. I'm going to call you out. Maybe that's honestly why you're here. That's cool. Don't be creepy, but that's cool. That's cool. I'm glad that you're here because on every level, we're looking for community and we're longing for that connectedness. As a church family, you can't program that. You can't be like, okay, on Wednesday night at 5 o'clock, we're going to all together, we're going to get together, we're going to be friends. We're just going to like each other. We're going to hold hands and we're going to all like the same stuff. It's just not going to happen. But the best thing we can do as a, as a community, as a church group, is to have different intentional places where you can have an entry point into some community. And so I want to go through, I've got seven, I'm going to kind of blaze through them. What I want you to do is, I see some of you taking notes, write down the one that, 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 that hits you, okay? The one, you don't have to write down all seven, one that hits you. The first one is this, maybe you're here, this is your first, second, third, fourth time. You haven't been coming very long. You're not sure if you really want to hang out with anybody that comes here, but you, you kind of like it. You're not really sure why. But you're a little bit intimidated about just coming out and meeting somebody. That's fine. That's called being a human being, okay? Here's my encouragement for you, entry point for you. Keep coming back. Come back next week. In fact, next week we start a new teaching series uh, called uh, Breathing Room, I think we're calling it. And the whole idea is how to find that space in our life to live life to its fullest and, and different principles about how we can do that. Um, but... Next week starts a four-week series. Commit to coming for four weeks. I'm going to come for four weeks, and while I'm here, I'm actually going to try to be open to making a friend. That's an idea. It's an idea for you. Second suggestion, maybe you need to start today. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you still haven't really connected, or you kind of connected, and that first person you met never, like, called you back, and you never did that lunch that you talked about, and they're probably really sorry about that, and they wanted to bring it up, but they felt bad. It's okay. Try again. Try somebody else. Start, start today. And I'm going to promise you something, it's, please don't anyone make me a liar, but I'm pretty sure there's no one in this room that if you stuck out your hand and said, hey, my name's Chris, actually if you did that and your name's not Chris, that would be weird, so use your name, but you say, hey, this is my name, and you shook their hand, I'm pretty sure there's no one in this room who would boo you out of the YMCA, like my man at the hockey game, not going to happen, probably no one's going to bite you, no one's going to hiss at you, probably, and I know this because I talk to a lot of you, 
there's other people who are here looking for the same thing. I'm looking for friends. I want to find the group of people that can help me grow in my relationship with God. And so if nothing else, just say, hey, this is my name. Good to meet you. There's a good chance you're sitting next to someone that you don't know. That's a great place to start. Okay, uh, so that's a suggestion. Start, start today. Okay, so here's a couple more that, that this is going to allow you to procrastinate a little bit because we like to procrastinate. I'm going to give you till 4 p.m. to procrastinate because today at 4 p.m., a bunch of us are meeting at Huma Cray Park to eat chili and brownies. Nothing brings people together like food. We're also going to have a flag football game and some, uh, some cornhole and just whatever else people do at parks. Feel free to bring a chair so you can just sit and not do those things because you don't want to do that. That's fine. Come at 4 o'clock and I hope we have a great crowd show up because it's a great way to meet somebody. Shake somebody's hand and get to know them. I'll let you procrastinate a little bit more. You can procrastinate until Tuesday. Tuesday night at 6.15, there's an awesome restaurant, and they did not pay me to say this, Islands on Racine, uh, kind of behind the college. And uh, man, about a year and a half ago, we started something called Taco Tuesday. It was just an idea that some of us had, like, we just need to hang out where it's not church. Let's just hang out. There is no agenda. Around 6.15, people show up, and there's, you just show up. They've got dollar tacos after 5 o'clock, and great food otherwise other than tacos. And people just show up, and I know a lot of you have just showed up just one time. Um, if you go to the little party room on the side in there, there's a lot of people and they just pull tables together and they hang out. And, and uh, since I'm saying this, I'm almost positive. People will be there. Is anybody going to be there this week? Talk, okay, so there's like five people right now I know are going to be there. So people will be there and just walk up and be like, hey, y'all the um, adventure people? And yeah, you got it. There's, there's always that moment where you got to just kind of <gasps> do it. But then they're like, yeah, have a seat. And you've made some friends. They do that every week. There's no agenda. It just, and it's been going on for a year and a half by itself. I don't know that there's been a week where no one showed up. Um, so, and if you miss a week, it's cool. Come back next week. Um, the last three take a little bit more commitment. And so maybe you're in a place where you've decided, like, I, I need to get not only into some community, but to some community that's going to challenge me. Because I, I need to be called out. Uh, I need to be uh, spoken into. I need to have some direction or whatever. Uh, the first one we talk about a lot is small groups. Man, small groups, there are several that meet around town. Uh, most of them have just started and have only met two, three times. Um, I know ours has met three times. And uh, a small group is a group of, uh, I think our smallest one's about seven, eight people. The biggest one's probably closer to 20 adults. And they just hang out. And there is an agenda. And there's someone who leads through some sort of conversation or a Bible study. And, uh, and it's very deliberate, and it's normally every other week. And so if you're interested in that, uh, I didn't mention these earlier, but these little orange cards that were in your seat, some of them might have been green, please write your name on that. Make sure that your email address is on there too, and just check small groups on the back. And someone will email you or call you and say, here's some options, here's some ways you get plugged in. Great way to build community. Last two. Uh, the first one is serving together. We've got four service teams that do stuff all the time. On Sunday morning, there are three who show up and make this setup stuff happen. I got to tell you, my closest friends at the church are the people that I serve on a team with. I'm on the production team. They're the team who sets up the chairs and the stage and the sound and everything and the lights. Um, and uh, because I'm here with them every week, I get to meet them. I get to know them. I get to know what's going on in their life. It's really fun. There's other teams. The host team uh, is a great team. They're the ones who just set up the atmosphere beyond the chairs, and there's the coffee, and they put the stuff in your seats, and they make it feel like a happy environment when you walk in the door, and, uh, and they do so much to connect. They're also the ones who get the cards in your seat and make sure those, got, those, those get 
to me or somebody to give somebody a call and, and all those things. Maybe you want to serve on the host team. It's a great way to use a specific gifting that you have and find community. The third team that happens on Sunday morning is the kids team. They're in the back and they're the ones who take care of our kids. But we always say Venture Kids is more than child care. It's raising a new generation of God chasers. And so maybe you've got some ability to teach or to chaperone at least. You don't even have to be a teacher. Uh, one of the jobs that Venture Kids has is, uh, is that John right now? John is sitting as a security guard to make sure that we have a, a secure children's area beyond that, um, beyond that curtain. And so maybe you want to teach. Maybe you don't really want to have a lot of conversation, but you can stand there and look tough. Dude, stand there and look tough and be a security guard for, for, to keep our kids safe. Um, three opportunities on Sunday morning, and then the fourth one is the city team, and there's a variety of opportunities that the city team does outside of Sunday morning to help with the YMCA, to help with Vigilant Hope that serves uh, people in poverty and homeless people, and to serve with Nourish NC that helps get food to kids who are living in food insecurity. Um, if you're interested in any of those service opportunities, again, turn to your connection card, that orange or green card, and check, I'm interested, or write it out in the notes section. I'm interested in learning about how to get plugged in with one of these teams. Not because we're begging people to serve with us, but because it's a great way to build community and grow together. Last one is this, and this is what I'm closing with. Um, there's one that we don't advertise. Uh, it's not a program. You can't sign up for it. There's never going to be a day, I don't think, where we have like a super organized programming of this. But maybe small group for you is still a little bit intimidating. That's a lot of people to share life with. You want something smaller than a small group? We've got something we call a micro group. A micro group. A micro group is three to five people of the same gender that get together about once a week to share community together. Uh, I meet with a group of, um, of three other men, and man, being in that group has changed my life. Uh, we get together once a week, we meet, um, we meet at a coffee house, we found the place in our schedule where we, we can all meet with me for about 45 minutes to an hour, and man, we just challenge each other. We talk together, we laugh, we, 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 we cry. We don't want to admit to that a lot, but we cry. And we pray together, and uh, we read the Bible together, and that we call each other out when we're being stupid, and just for the record, they call me out, right? And so this microgroup idea is, is, is something that maybe a few of you are interested in. Um, the way this works is uh, if you want to get one started, you just grab two other people, and you say, hey, I, I want to do this accountability microgroup thing. And I want to know if you want to do that with me. I can send you, or, or Emily can send you, a PDF of a, of a microgroup layout, like how it works. It's super easy. There's like three questions you ask each other every week, for starters, and you can modify it how you want to. But you get this sheet of paper, you get with your, your two other lady friends, your two other guy friends, it can grow up to about five people if you want it to, and uh, you just agree, when are we going to meet and how are we going to challenge each other? I've loved being a part of a microgroup because what it's done is it's taken the program out of church. It's taken the uh, thinking about church as a building and thinking about church as a steeple and crosses mentality. It's taken that out of the equation for the, the group of guys that I meet with. Because we realize that church is about a community focused on living for Jesus. I want to invite you to maybe get involved in a micro group. And since it's not something that you can sign up for or be like organized that way, if you want to make a note on your connection card, please tell me more about a micro group. There will be a few of us who will look at all those cards and see if there are a few of you that maybe, who knows, God could use those cards right now and say, there's three ladies in the room right now who just need to get together with each other. And I put my name on a card. And again, that's, this is like way down the line of stepping out of your comfort zone. But maybe that's something that you can do to connect with community and grow. Uh, be glad to help, help you out with that as well. I love being a part of the church. Not because we got it all figured out 
but because we recognize that we don't. And we recognize that there's a God who loves us and wants better for us, and he has equipped us with one another. If you're hurting today and you feel all alone, you please reach out to somebody because there are people who want to hug you and cry with you and help you, but they, they can't know unless you let them know. The church needs to be a place where that happens. I've loved talking about soul food over the last few weeks. And I want to encourage you not to just take this as a a sermon series where you say, okay, that was cool, I learned some few things, but to challenge yourself and say, how am I feeding my soul right now? And make it something that you can grow on week in and week out. And then we, guys, we can shine that light on a lampstand to make this city an amazing place to be because of the love of God. Can I pray with you? Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and and your blessings. And Father, as we... um, as we think through the idea of community, I just pray that it can be something that we embrace and that we just, uh... it's hard to make relationships. It's hard to get started on one and that's something that we tend to be imperfect on. I pray that there'll be people in this room this morning who are looking for those who are hungry for community and that, they, that they're bold enough to reach out and shake a hand and give a hug. Lord, thanks for being the perfect example of what it means to come down and live among us so that we can do the same for each other. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.